Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Second epistle of John, Second John. I'm going to take it from verse 7. Are you ready? And I think we have notes. Did you all get notes already? Okay, good. I say this because many deceivers who did not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh, have gone out into the world. Such a person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out, you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be fully rewarded. I want you to read verse 8 with me. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but you rewarded fully. Verse 9. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Go to Philippians chapter 2, just one verse. We'll go verse 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Hmm. Go to Galatians chapter 2. Just wiped out the whole congregation right there. Galatians 2 and verse 2, I went in response to Revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not run my race in vain. Galatians 5 and verse 7 now. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? And the final scripture, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in games does goes into strict training, pardon me, They do it to get a crown that does not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, verse 26, do not run like someone running aimlessly and do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Last scripture, which is not in the heading of your notes, but I've added it. Revelation chapter three and verse 11. Are you ready? I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Father, thank you for what you did in the first service. Move in power now in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want you to say I'm going to stay the course. Say that. I'm going to stay the course. That is a military term. It's a term that's used for those in battle. That no matter what what comes your way, you're going to, you're going to finish. You're going to finish your charge. You're going to finish the command. You're going to finish what God called you to do. I don't know about you, but I am going to stay the course. I want you to say that. I'm going to stay the course. Many years ago when I was a wee lad, I was in my grandfather's boat. It was a sailing boat, as I recall. And he taught us, his little grandchildren taught us how to keep a compass course. Now, we got GPSs now, but a compass course in the sailboat. And I remember him saying, you've got to keep, the, keep that needle right on that mark right there. And then as five minutes goes by, I'm staring off at the seagulls, you know, 
And he comes back and says, you're off. You need to keep it on that mark. You drifted. And then he says to me, if you don't keep it on the mark, then we won't end up where we want to be. And it just stayed with me. It, it, was, it was one of those big compasses, you know, with the liquid in it and all that. You can lose your way. I remember in November 2007 taking a hunting trip to shoot access deer uh, out in the uh, Prince William Sound. And uh, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. When it snows, you hope that it snows and it pushes the deer down to the beach and then you, you're, you've got, uh, you know, harvest. And uh, we never saw deer, not one, but we did see lots of foul weather. We ended up in, uh, I think there was three different or two different storm systems that moved in. And I was at the mercy of those who took me. Um, I was wet behind the ears, Chachaco, all the way. Didn't know jack about hunting, didn't know anything about, about that. I did know a little bit about boating. And see, well, here I am in November. It's snowing. There's swells. It's, I mean, we have to take cover into, a, into an out, a, a cove where there's other very large vessels. Now, when large vessels take cover in a cove, that would give you a, an indication that you're in some weather. And I remember the precious brother taking his GPS. We didn't have a compass, but we had a GPS. And I remember him hitting that thing on the side of his hand to get it to work. And I thought to myself, I will never be in this position again. I'm buying my own GPS. I'm not ever doing that. When I came back, I remember I came back, I kissed Whittier. I kissed the, kissed the dock. I kissed the, launch, the launching place at Whittier. And I was just so grateful coming all the way back. I came straight back to the church and uh, there was people here, and I was hugging everybody. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> God's good, isn't he? He's good. I, I was like, it was scary. God gave me a word of how to get out of it. He spoke to me, gave me wisdom. He said, this is not about hunting anymore. This is what the Lord spoke to me in the middle of the night as we were, it seemed like we were nearly dying. I know this might not be true, but the satellite phone was out, and these guys had lived in Alaska all their life, and they're holding on to the satellite phone. I mean, that would be an indication that you might have a problem. I prayed all night until I got peace, and the Lord said, it's not about hunting anymore. I'm going to give you a break in the two storms. Take it and hustle back. We had a break in the storm, and I remember one of the guys says, hey, man, it's some good weather. Let's go hunting. I said, oh, no. Pastor, are you okay? I said, no, I'm not okay. It's not about hunting anymore. I got a word from the Lord. It's not about hunting anymore. We're going back. Like, oh, our pastor says so, so I guess we're going back. So we went back, and we just made it through. You know, you can lose your life in this land, Alaska. I know people who have lost their spiritual life because they got off track. They didn't stay on compass course. They, they, they blew it. They didn't stay the course. And just because, right in your notes, just because, just because you started the race doesn't mean you're going to finish. Seemed to be quoting my mom a lot. I'm going to quote her again. It's not how fast you run. It's whether you finish. When I first got saved, I was just like going great balls of fire, you know, face peeling off, a blistering speed of serving God. And I'm all for that. Just make sure you don't, make sure you finish. Come on, someone say, I'm going to finish. Say, I'm going to stay the course. The scriptures that we read have uh, some commonality. And what they, what they do is they have three areas that the scriptures describe to us about how we can lose it, how we can get derailed how we can wander off of the path, stray from the course. 
been doing a series on spiritual warfare, numerous messages. I think this is maybe my seventh message in spiritual warfare. All of them are available on YouTube, and if you can hunt in Facebook, you can hunt it down that way. You can go on Spotify and find them there. You can go on the podcast and find them there. And this is the penultimate message, the second to last message in spiritual warfare. I will do one more, and that will be next Sunday on fasting and prayer. And it's revelatory as we prepare our hearts to get to fasting and seeking his face on these 21 days. It starts January 4th. Three areas that describe how we can derail us. The first one, and all of the scriptures point to, every one I read. Wrong doctrine. Fill in your notes. Wrong what? Wrong doctrine. What's doctrine, Pastor? Doctrine is what you believe about God. So just simple. Somebody say, well, what's your doctrine? Doctrine is what you believe about God. C.S. Lewis said this. The thoughts that you think about God are your most important thoughts you'll ever have. Now think about that. The thoughts that you think about God are the most important thoughts that you have. Why that? Why is that? Because if you have thoughts in your head that are contrary to truth, then you'll end up in a place called deception. You say, well, I'm not there. How do you know? The, the deception, the thing with deception is you're deceived. Wrong doctrine will jack you up. I was in the sauna, and I shared this already, I think, but, but I'll share it again because it just seems to work so well. And I was talking to this guy, and he ends up being a believer. I was witnessing to him, and we're talking about the Lord back and forth, and uh, he's looking for a church, and I invited him. I don't know if he's able to make it yet. It's hard to meet all the hundreds of folks that are coming through, but I hope to. And uh, as we were talking, and we ended up talking about the election, ended up talking about COVID-19, ended up talking about vaccinations, and up, we talked about all kinds of stuff. Well, during that time, there was a man that, was, that came in mid-conversation who sat down in between us. So we're talking over him this entire time. Well, the thing about having conversations in the sauna is it gets to the place where you can't take it anymore and you have to get out. And sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not so good. And I've stayed because the conversation was so great and I'm close to leading somebody to Jesus. I've stayed almost to the point of passing out. But, but I get them saved usually in that case. So in this case, this brother, was, he was done and he's like, oh, that's enough for me. I got to get out. So he gets out and now somebody's sitting next to me who had listened to half the conversation. So I turned to him and I said, well, how about you? He's all, how about what? And so I started talking about the Lord and, and uh, the goodness of God. And, and he said to me, it's all about baptism, bro. I said, uh, no, it isn't. He said, yeah, yeah, it is. I said, no, it's not. Now, we're doing a baptism tonight. And if you have not followed the Lord in the command to be baptized, you should do that. But it should be an, it should be an outward sign of what's taking place on the inside. So if you're not born again, you've not made a decision to follow Jesus, don't try to get baptized and say that fixes it because it doesn't. So if you're not baptized, you go to hell? No, the only thing that takes you to hell is by not believing on the Lord Jesus that he died on a cross and rose again from the grave and repenting of your sin. But you should get baptized. And uh, so I began to talk back and forth and we argued doctrine. And I began to quote scripture and uh, I might have have a little bit more experience than he did in the Word. So we went back and forth. In the end, he wasn't so happy, I don't think, about it. 
I mean, his face said he wasn't happy. You know what I mean? It's not like he told me, I'm not happy. But you could tell he wasn't happy. Because if you're sitting there and you're hearing and you have in your mind that it's all about baptism and some bald-headed guy next to you starts telling you and quoting you scriptures that you've probably heard before and starts destroying your doctrine because it's based on something that's false, then all of a sudden maybe he realized. Now, I don't know. But maybe he realized, I think I have a problem. Because if you just think you could get baptized and go out Friday night and party and then fornicate and do whatever you want to and then it's all good, you have a rude awakening this morning here at King's. That, that's, not, that's not the way it works. You missed a great place to say amen or something. Come on, oh me or oh my or say something. Oh my. Doctrine is what you believe about God. Now the Apostle Paul, we read this Galatians 2, he wants to be sure that he's not jacked up. He wants to be sure that he's not running his race in vain. And it's interesting because many people think that they're an island. No man is an island. You ever heard that? You have theological truth and understanding that you need to go and make sure that that's true. And so what did the Apostle Paul do is he says to the Galatians, he says, I went in response to the revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. So he meets with the leadership. And I presented to them the gospel. This is Galatians 2 and verse 2 that I preached among the Gentiles, I wanted to be sure I was not running my race in vain. He checks himself before he wrecked himself. If you don't have right doctrine, you don't, if you don't think, where does doctrine come from? Right here. This is it. It comes right from the Word. You know, if you've been in our Belong class, we teach you about church history and and uh, Catholicism made up a bunch of rules. No, you know, don't mean to offend you, but I'm just saying they made up a bunch of regulations that have nothing to do with the Word. And they tried to raise money and came up with a thing called purgatory. Purgatory doesn't exist. It's non-existent. It's made up by, by the Catholic Church. It's not, if you don't see it in Scripture, then you have to question it. That's why I was able to prove that baptism is not all about baptism, not all about being baptized in water. All revelation has to be tested according to God's word. God's word is the standard. In fact, that's what canon means. The canon of scripture, it's a measurement, it's a standard. This is the standard by which we live our lives. This is it. Unchangeable. Ever enduring. Word of the Lord. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain forever. It's still the number one best-selling book. That's why we so encourage you to go through these things that we call Discover Track and through our foundation class. Why? Because if you don't have bright thoughts in your head based on Scripture about God, then you can end up in a place that's really messed up. You can end up deceived. And there are deceivers, as we read, that have gone out into the world, even in an antichrist spirit. I've heard so much nonsense. I can't, I wouldn't know where to start. Now, Paul is talking to the Galatians because the Galatians have been uh, basically attacked by this group called the Judaizers. How many of you know what the Judaizers are? Judaizers were a group of people that would follow after Paul and they would say, hey, no, listen, hey, listen, hey, I know Paul, yeah, but he doesn't have it right. You gotta become a Jew first. And once you become a Jew, then you can receive Jesus as Messiah. That's not true. That's simply not true. It's not in scripture. In fact, Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. All all you have to do is believe. You have to believe that God sent his one and only begotten son and repent of your sin and receive him. That is how you get to heaven. It had nothing to do with water, although 
you should do that if you get the chance before you die. Galatians 5, 7, you were running a good race, but who cut in to keep you from obeying the truth? That's crazy. I mean, he's correcting them. He says in another place in Galatians, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Well, you started in the spirit. You think you can finish in the flesh? I just love that scripture. In 2 John, we read that watch out, verse nine, verse 8, watch out, you do not lose what you've worked for. You don't want to be deceived by false doctrine. You know, there's people that come up and knock on your door and wear a nice name tag and everything, very sincere. In Hawaii, they ride bikes. They don't ride so many bikes around here. Not quite sure why that is. They're very sincere, and they're very sincerely deceived. And if you don't really understand true biblical doctrine, I wouldn't even attempt to try to get in a discussion with them because you'll get confused. And you'll find this. Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, you'll find this. They're trained to not stay on one topic. So if you stay on one topic and you try to nail that thing down, what they will do is go, well, what about this? They just jump over to a whole nother. What about, then you start nailing that down, they'll jump over. One of the tricks is for those of you that do know the word and do know right doctrine, don't change the topic. Do not allow for topic changes. Go all the way to the end until you make your point through scripture. And don't let them shift. They constantly shift back and forth. They're sincere, and they're sincerely deceived. If you don't know the word, you're going to have a hard time. If you don't have right doctrine, you're going to have a hard time following through. There's so much incredible preaching and teaching out there, but I hear very little doctrine, and that's concerning. It's very concerning because you have a church that's growing all across America that that can't prove that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He's not Satan's brother. Hello. And when you die, you're not getting your own planet and celestial sex partners. That's not happening. Let me, let me preach over here. I know some of you are extremely disappointed, but I'm telling you. That's not happening. That's not truth. Now, that does sound like a man that did that. That sounds like a man. Um, yeah. No. That's a, someone who's got a perverted spirit. Satan wants to take as many people to hell as he can, and if he can't, listen, you have to know what you believe. I'm so glad you're here this morning, the moments that remain in the service. You have to commit. Won't you commit in 2021 to really know what this says? You know, many people don't want to know. They don't want to take the time. They'll do how-to videos on YouTube and, you know, watch all these different things like you know, zit popping. Do you know that's not like a big thing now? Oh yeah, I know some of your older people are like, I can't believe you just said that from the pulpit. But I'm telling you, there's people that watch, they watch videos about, you know, with pores and such. So, I know. I don't know, it's true. You know it's true. Some of you are like, okay. If you'll give yourself to the study of this, it will make you a spiritual athlete and you will become strong in God, and you'll become someone who fulfills their purpose and destiny. You certainly can't do without the Word. You must know the Word. It's a lifetime process. I said it's a lifetime process. Well, these three, three different areas in all of the scriptures we read, wrong doctrine, 
Wrong attitude is another thing that'll cause you to get off the compass course. I'm gonna stay the course. Come on, say it. I'm going to stay the course. I'm gonna finish my race. But if, you, if your doctrine's messed up, the chances are you won't finish, so you better get it settled. That's why we have life groups. That's why we have a next steps desk. We don't do these things because they're cute. We do them because we understand that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if you don't get it settled who God really is, then you'll, you'll have some distorted view of him and you'll never fulfill, you'll never be able to finish your race. You will not stay the course. You must have right doctrine. How does that happen? You gotta get involved in the classes and don't believe everything that you see online. Question it. I said, question, there's people out there spouting all kinds of platitudes and all kinds of followers. There's a sloppy agape, a neo-Calvinism that's out there. It says that you just, as long as, you know, as long as you just believe, then you can live however you want to, and it's all good. Well, it's not all good, and that's not the way it works. Actually, when you really become a believer, you will no longer continue to sin. In fact, I'm going to show you at the end of this message, which is coming shortly, how to know someone's a real Christian or they're not. It's the acid test, the litmus test of somebody's, because not everybody that says they're a Christian is actually a Christian. All right, the second thing you see that'll derail you and you have to watch out for that, God knows I've had challenges, wrong attitude. Wrong attitude. If your attitude's messed up, come on, this comes from Philippians 2, verse 14, do everything without grumbling, complaining. 1 Corinthians 10.10, or 2 Corinthians, it's one of the two, says that they released a destroyer because of their, their complaining and their arguing. It releases death. If you go to uh, John, pardon me, it's not John, it's in the Bible. Romans, I got it. Romans, I'm, you have to forgive me. I'm um, detoxing from sugar cookies. <laughs> Romans 1, verses 18 to 34, talks about how they, neither, they didn't glorify God, and it goes on to say how they, God turned them over in the end. It's this spiraling down because of their attitude and because of the way that they thought, and they end up with what the Bible calls a depraved mind. So you have to watch your attitude because you can really get in trouble. We must love. Everybody say we must love. 1 John, 1 John 2, verse 9, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in darkness. In other words, if you still hate people, there's something wrong with your salvation. So if you're prejudiced, you got issues, big ones. You hate black people, you ain't going to heaven. You hate white people, you, you, you ain't going you hate yellow, yellow-skinned people, you, you hate anybody, you're still in darkness. Oh, snap, let's have a praise break. That was pretty weak. Let's try that again. One, two, three. Hey! Uh, all those that are prejudiced keep their hands down. I saw that. All right. I'm just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Okay. Anyone who loves their brother, verse 10. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. There's nothing that can make them stumble. You know, we're commanded to love each other. 
You will know them by their love for one another. Now, this is a revelation to me, and don't, don't look at me like there's something wrong with me. You don't have to like everybody. I said, you don't have to like everybody. What? But you do have to love everyone. What do you mean by that? There is just naturally in life people that you connect with and that you enjoy being around. And, and there's just like, you know, we got chemistry. You just enjoy being around them. And then other folks irritate the fool out of you. Don't raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. You're like, yeah, that's my husband. No, you need healing. Amen. Just remember when you marry him and get healed. You don't have to like everybody. You don't have to spend all your waking moments with people that irritate you. I got one amen. Thank you. Was that evangelist John Duke over here? Amen. But God ties our hearts together. He, he will tie your heart together with people. If, if they irritate you, you still have to love them. Read my white lips. If you don't like them, that's okay. But you still have to behave loving and kind and gracious. And therein lies the rub. It can be kind of challenging when you're with somebody that you can't stand to be with. Now, usually what it is, I wasn't looking at you on purpose, I'm just saying. You understand, right? Okay, amen. Usually we have a hard time with people because they remind me of the stuff inside of us that we hate. They're so prideful, that's because you struggle. We all struggle with pride. But you have to be loving. Turn to 1 John Verse 3, so you don't have to like everyone. You might be drawn to spend lots of time with them, but you still need to behave lovingly. So I don't want to, the, the don't want to part is your flesh. How many of you know their angels sees the face of God every day? Me talking nonsense about somebody, no matter what color of skin they are or how they irritated you. You know who used to irritate me, the, like, I mean, one of the most irritating people ever for me? John Harkey. I love John Harkey. We're friends, but I'm going to tell you, back in the day, he was irritating to me. How many of you know John Harkey was here just recently? Yeah. He was just, I don't know. He would just geek out and get under my skin, man. All right, I'm going to go encourage myself. Amen. You guys are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe our pastor's irritated. Oh, get him. Give me a break. Give me a break. Just being real. And, and really, the, the, the problem was with me. And then the Lord healed me. He's still... Healing me, not regarding John Harkey, but he's still healing me. I still need to become more like Jesus. Can someone say hallelujah? You need to be like God. Real Christians actually change. I was talking to my brother yesterday, and I confessed to him some of the things that I'm struggling with in my attitude. Just little things that have, that have been in my life. And, uh, you know, you might not even see them as sin, but to me they are. And I watched them creep out when I'm really tired or... Whatever, you can make, every, you know, everybody's got excuses. I'm not going to make any excuses. You see, them, you see it come out, and it's not God. It's your flesh. It's your fallen human nature. And you have to fight against that thing. And so I was talking to him, and he's like, he started weeping. He said, those are the exact problems I have. We prayed and agreed together. Come on, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. And I said this morning, I was making affirmations in the truck on the way over here. What were they? I'm not telling you. My family heard them. That's what they heard. <laughs> My daughter says, oh, those are strong, good affirmations, Dad. 
I said, thanks. I said, do you do that? She goes, yeah, sometimes, yeah. Smart. I must have learned that from somebody. There was a time in my life when I hated myself. I mean, I really, really, I couldn't stand to even be in my own skin. I, w- I, I got born again, and I got filled with the Spirit, and I started making affirmations. I would look myself in the mirror and tell myself I was a man of God. I, I, I read uh, John G. Lake. He used to do it all the time. He'd put on a suit, and he would stand in front of a mirror, and he'd say, there's, there's a God-man inside that suit. And everywhere I go, God goes. That's a powerful revelation. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Jesus, the Son of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, lives on the, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, if you'll begin to get the word and you just begin to pound it into your heart and stand on it and make affirmations, you wouldn't have such a sour attitude. And you'll be more loving. I am going to be a better husband in 2021. I'm going to be a better father in 2021. And y'all are going to be better kids. Amen. Better wife. Come on, someone say hallelujah. Let's move on. Wrong actions. These are three things that will get you off the compass course and cause you to get derailed. Three things that will destroy your life. Talking about spiritual warfare. You, you listen, you have to contend and fight for renewing your mind. You have to, you have to, it's you're the one that's got to crack the Bible open. You're the one that's got to get to that life group. You're the one that's got to get to that next steps desk. Get to the foundations class. Learn the things of the word to sign up and be a part of KSM. Come on, somebody. You're the one that's got to do it. God ain't going to come down and do it for you. You have to do it. You're the one when you're convicted, you have to repent. You have a free will. Or you can stiff arm him and reject him and and keep going your stubborn, stiff-necked ways and end up in the drink somewhere. End up off the rail. End up losing out with God. Not me. I'm going to finish my course. I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to finish my race. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to finish my race. It doesn't happen by accident. It happens with intentionality. You say, I'm going to learn the word. I'm going to stop behaving like a jerk. Amen. Don't laugh too hard on the front row. First Corinthians. 24. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They even do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. It's so profound that actually... When you do these things, when you, when you work at having right doctrine and being open and accountable to, to make sure that you do with those who know more and have, have lived more. Yeah, I don't know why people like sign up to be discipled by somebody whose marriage is a nightmare or they're divorced five times. Why would you want to listen to somebody about like that from your marriage advice? Give me a break. Why, why, would, you, why would you, you know... Connect up with somebody who doesn't actually have a righteous life just because they can talk good or look good or they got some hair or whatever. I mean, give me a break. Right doctrine. Wrong doctrine will derail you. You need to have right doctrine. Number two, you have to have the right attitude. Wrong attitude will derail you, will cause you to lose out with God. And wrong actions is number three. You have to learn to control yourself. This is what it's saying. Therefore, I don't run, verse 26, 
like someone running aimlessly. It's talking about self-control. It's talking about self-discipline. He's not talking about beating himself. He's talking about like some fools put in commentaries. He's talking about being disciplined to put your body under subjection to the spirit. Now, I know full well I'm in the midst of it right now. Starting at about Thanksgiving, I began to eat anything I wanted to. And it was glorious. It was amazing. Pastor Karen's a phenomenal cook. And I buffeted my body daily. Buffet. <laughs> and um, I began to grow, and I knew it. And I was enjoying it. It was great. And I have in my mind... The biggest I'm going to get, first of all, I burned the canoe, which is when I lost all, a whole bunch of weight, I lost a whole bunch of weight, and I got rid of all my clothes, except one suit, which I'm wearing right now. <laughs> it's, my, it's my fat suit. And it, it almost doesn't work. <laughs> this fits me up to 240 pounds, and then after that, it doesn't fit anymore. And the pants were like, Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many got special tactics for buckling your pants? You know, if you get the elastic waist, it just helps. But I made a decision. I'm not going back to high. I'm not going back to high blood pressure. I'm not going back to stomach acid regulators. I'm not going to cave into my flesh. I'm not going to do that. I've made a decision not to get big again. I'm just talking about me. If you're convicted, that's between you and Jesus. I'm just talking about me. And so. I began to get larger and larger and larger. And in the last week of my, my growth, I walked in the bathroom, and I think it was the Holy Spirit, but I walked in the bathroom, and I looked at the, I looked at the scale. And in my mind, I know at 240, it's over. I made a deal with God. I made a, like a vow. 240, that's it. Then you do whatever you do. You're getting back to where you came from. You ain't going. You know, I'm not, I made a decision. I'm, I'm, I made a deal. I'm not going back in Jesus' name. Anybody say Amen. So I, I looked at the scale and I thought, this feels a little bit bigger than 240, but I'm not going to check. <laughs> so I didn't check. And I walked off and that scale mocked me for about three or four days. But Christmas wasn't over yet. And all of y'all just buffeted my family with just, I mean, like confection or heaven. Just came down. Cookies and fudge and chocolate and, oh, just, oh bonbons and amazing chocolate Santas and sugar canes and sugar plums and all dancing in my head and in my stomach as well. And I ate everything. I ate everything. And my wife started looking at me like, are you all right? Because I used to eat my emotions. Oh, I know that's nobody here. It must be online. And I start getting emotional. I start eating. With stress management, I'd find myself in the fridge. And I knew I was, I was going to go all the way through Christmas, but then I made a deal like at Christmas I was going to get on the scale Christmas night after everything, after I ate everything. I jumped on the scale, 245, and I went, that's it. <laughs> and I said, that's it, Lord. And though I died yesterday... No more cookies, no more candy. But there's so much left, and I want to be a good steward and eat it all. And it came from the love of the congregation and everybody. I mean, I mean, your flesh will argue with you. 
Oh, come on, come on, you're being a legalist. You're being a legalist. Stop, stop. It's okay. The Lord knows your heart. Yeah, it's deceitfully wicked and black above all else. And it wants to, come on, the enemy wants to just cause you to be 500 pounds and having a heart attack. No! I'm just telling you for me how I have to fight. And my wife says to me yesterday as I, I go cold turkey, no cookies, no nothing, right back to my hardcore nutrition yesterday. Today is day two. I'm doing good so far this morning. I'm going to make it all the way. My wife says to me yesterday, don't worry, I'm going to tie this back into the message in a second. My wife says to me, we have all these desserts, though. I'm like, seriously? Get behind me. She's like, can't you just have a dessert, like just one little dessert? And I said, no. Can't you have, well, I know what you meant. Can't you just, she says, instead of all day long, that's what she says. I eat sweets like grazing like a cow. I just keep eating all day. Can't you just have a little dessert, you know, moderation? And I thought to myself, I can be moderate. And the Lord's like, no, you can't. And I just thought to myself, you're right. How many of you know the Lord's always right? And so I don't want to say that I can't be. Listen, you can have whatever judgment you want. I'm just telling you. I, don't, I didn't want to confess the fact, oh, moderation, everything in moderation. Oh, okay, you spiritual freak. I know myself. So that's not how it works for me. I'm like all or nothing. I'm a, that's the way I'm designed. I'm designed. I will charge hell with a stinking water pistol and kill, and kill everything. God tells me to do it. I don't have moderation in that. So I'm not eating it anymore. What's your point? My point is that you have to learn to control your life. You have to learn to control your actions. If you keep caving into your, into your greed, into your lust, into your, <laughs> into your gluttony, you keep caving in. You actually think you're going to achieve the goal of, of being physically strong or spiritually strong? No, you won't. You won't. The Apostle Paul is saying, you've got to lay it down. You've got to, come on, I'm a spirit with a body, not a body with the spirit. I'm a spirit with a body, not a body with this. I'm a spirit with a body, not a body with the spirit. I'm a spirit with the body, not a body. I just keep telling myself that. I have self-control. There's so many people that cave into their lusts, that cave, you're not going to laugh now, cave into pornography. And yet you, you, you're like, oh, well, you know, I, I can do what I want because it's my life. And nobody sees you. Well, God sees you. And the devil sees you. And those wrong actions will destroy your life, will destroy your family, destroy your marriage. It'll destroy you and cause you not to stay the course. So many scriptures... All right, I, I want to do this. I'm, I'm going to move down for the sake of time. Go to, um, go to John, 1 John 4. This is how to know someone's actually a real Christian or not. Because I could feel the love when I first said that. I know you want to hear this. It's a threefold test found in John 4. And he says, uh, dear friends, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits and see whether they're from God. For many false prophets going into the world. Verse 2. This is how you to recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that, does, that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit 
that did not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. So it's very clear. He's talking about right doctrine. And you read the rest of John 4. He talks about right doctrine. He talks about keeping God's command, God's word. You know someone loves God? When they say they're a Christian, then they, they actually live like that. Christian actually means little Christ or Christ-like. So when if you say you're a Christian, that means you behave the way that Christ did or are in process of doing it. Like I said, I was not behaving the way Christ would eat, but I've corrected that. If I could just pick on me. And so somebody that continues in sin, and we can look at some of these other scriptures like, let's just look at one more. John, uh, 1 John 2. Verse six, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. In, in another place in 1 John, it says, if you, if you, if you continue in sin, then you're not, you're not a Christian. So Christians actually live Christ-like. If you're not done with sin, then you're, then you're not born again. What do you mean, Pastor? I, I'm struggling with some stuff. Make sure you never stop fighting against that thing. Make sure you confess it. Make sure you pray. Have hands laid on you. You don't have to be a jerk all of your life. You don't have to have an anger problem all of your life. You don't have to have a gluttony problem all of your life. You can get set free. And if you don't, then you won't stay the course. This is spiritual warfare. You have to learn how to discipline your physical body and say no. I taught my kids when they were younger, you've got to learn to control yourself. Finish the sentence, the man of God. Is in control of his emotions. Is in control of his emotions. He learned that at five or six when he was having an emotional meltdown, as six-year-olds sometimes have. And it was, it was something that was upsetting, and we were trying to get a hold of him, and he, and he just couldn't get a hold of himself, and so he needed some discipline. And in this particular case, I took him outside, and I said, here's the deal. A man of God is in control of his emotions. I said, say it. And he said, a man of God is in control of his emotions. I took him outside. We looked at the wood pile. There's a big old pile of wood. And I said, here's the deal, son. It's 10 degrees out. He had a hat on and gloves. I'm not a child abuser. Hello. And I told my six-year-old, okay, see that wood? You have to bring that wood over here and stack it. And you can be done. You'll be finished when you're happy. Until you're happy, you're not done. Yeah, I know. That's good. Now, just remember, as soon as you're happy, you can be done stacking wood. And so he started stacking wood. And I remember we were, his mom's watching out the window. I'm watching. There he is. Is he warm enough? Pastor Karen says, yeah, he's warm enough. He's fine. And we're watching him, and he's going back. Going, you know, I mean, doing whatever he's doing. And then I opened the door and said, just remember, when you're happy, you don't have to move any more wood. They hated moving wood. Day. Finally, he comes to the door. I open the door, and he's like, I'm happy. I said, no, you're close. You're getting it. That's not quite it. Real happiness, real joy. You got to have real joy. <laughs> okay. He goes back. Two more, two more routes, and he comes back. He says, I I've got it. I've got it. And he's genuinely smiling, looking at me. He says, I've got it. I said, okay. The man of God needs to be in control of his emotions. I said, that's right. And he wasn't faking it. How many of you know you know when your kids are fake? He wasn't faking it. He learned that. You don't teach your kids to put their flesh down. Some of you never learned that in your own homes. All right, let's bring some application. I've gone a little bit long, but we're here. We're landing the plane. Keys, please. Know what you believe. Know what you believe. Be able to rightly divide the word. Some of you in church like 20 years and you can't, you don't, you can't tell me what the gospel is. 
All of us should know how to communicate the, the gospel, how to get saved. Everyone here, practice it. We've got scripts, we've got tools, we have a, a, we have a whole desk out there that'll help you go to the next level. I'm not trying to bring condemnation on you. I'm just telling you, if you don't learn the word, you don't get right doctrine. In this hour, in this day, when it's being rammed down our throat, a mixture of a hodgepodge of, of lies mixed with truth, and, and lies are frequently mixed with truth to get you to take the bait. Fish, fish, you know, bait and lures and tackle and all that, it represents something to the fish. Do you understand? Because fish don't eat something that's not, it, it, it's a counterfeit. The enemy will try to put a counterfeit together to take you down the primrose path. You're going to stay the course. you got to know your word. No, how do you do that? Get in a life group. Get in a team. Get, commit yourself to become a spiritual athlete. I've had people say, well, they're so lucky. They're not lucky. They're lucky. Oh, I always wanted to be in ministry. The Dukes are so lucky. Well, you obviously don't know them. They have favor. But for three plus years, day and night, never missing a service, constantly going after it, studying, praying, contending, confessing, answering altar calls, you know, day and night, night and day, contacting me. What about this? What do you think about this? I feel like the Lord's saying, is I good, Pastor? What do you think? Yes, yes, no, yes, yes, no. Now it's traveling over. It's going to New York. Going to New York, going to have a great revival, going to see 5,000 people saved in the city of New York. I wish I could do that. You don't need a wishbone. You need a backbone. That was good right there. If you're offended by that, Joyce Myers, I heard it from her once long ago. Know what you believe. Everybody say, know what you believe. Grow in understanding of what it means to truly love. You want to know what love is? Read 1 Corinthians 13. And many, many have grown up in homes where real love was not modeled. You didn't see it between your father and your mother. You didn't see it between your siblings. You didn't see what real love is. Then you grow up and now you're an adult and you expect everybody to bow the knee to your fits of rage and selfish ambition and all of that. That's not what love is. Love is not rude. I'm preaching better than your amen and love does not demand it, does not demand its, you know, its way. Love is patient, love is kind, it's gentle, merciful. Love never fails. I had to learn how to love. I came in this place. I did not know what that was. I was selfish. I was self-consumed 20 plus years ago. I've learned how to love and I'm still learning. Don't ever stop. Come on, I said don't stop. And, and, and turn to 1 Timothy 5. My wife and I, we, we try to model that before you. We don't have a, we have a perfect marriage. I'd say it's a perfect marriage arguing and all kinds of stuff. A perfect marriage doesn't mean doesn't mean that nothing ever goes wrong. Oh, we, we've got things going wrong here and there. We work it out. We overcome. We communicate. We forgive. We, that's, that, hello, that's, that's marriage. Divorce is an is a F-bomb. It's a curse word. We don't ever say it. Never said it. Won't ever say it. Made a vow. I meant my vows when I said them. Just go like this. I've learned what it is to see healthy marriages. I, I see them. We had the Johnsons here in the last, the last service, 57 years. Don't tell me it's not possible. Come on, you all been married a long time back there. Come on, all you, I see some of you guys, 50 years, 40 years. How many? 50. Jerome, Karen, God bless you. 50 years. I know how to do it. I think I've figured it out. 
Just become more and more like Jesus. When things are difficult, just cru- get crucified. <laughs> Have a resurrection. Forgive, pray your ears off, turn the other cheek, do your best. Be like Christ, love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's a lifetime, that's a lifetime thing. Some of you didn't see that model, so you've been on like your 10th marriage. God's able. I know people die, different things, and, and sometimes there's a good reason for divorce. But you can have a good marriage. You can have a blessed marriage. You can, you can raise godly children. How do you know? I, I have them, and I've watched people do it. Look, I want you to go to 1 Timothy 5. Listen to this. See, because you're raised in a home, you didn't see what real love is, and you come into the church and think that, well, you're just going to continue to act the way you are. That's not the way it works. <laughs> Timothy, 1 Timothy 5. Don't rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he was your father. That's fascinating. You're to treat older people with honor. You hold the door. Don't go rushing in and don't let your kids rush in before auntie or uncle, someone that's older in front of them. You stop your kids. You teach them to respect and honor elders. Why? That's what that says. And treat him as your father. Now you're supposed to treat your father well. So if you haven't done that, you gotta learn how to do that. Honor your father and mother. This is like totally contrary to our culture. Yeah, my old man. Don't ever call me an old man. I told my kids, you, I think I might have heard that once. You, I'm not the old man. Because I will outrun them, out-train them, out-pray them, out-worship them for now. I'm your father. And I feel honored and respected. So proud of you, Hannah. Entreat an older man. Oh, he's just old. He's old, but you're old. You're dumb. <laughs> Treat younger men as brothers. Some of you thought all, all you did is saw your brothers just hurting each other all the time. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to care for one another, bear one another's burdens. Look, it goes on to say older women as mothers. That's not hating your mother, that's being kind, respect, filled with respect. You know, we have a very wide swath in this church from old to young. And that's a sign of a very healthy church. It's not just all young adults, and and we'll pray that we have more and we'll continue to grow every single age bracket. But I'm I'm so blessed for our older folks that are here. And I'm so blessed for the younger ones too. Another couple months, we'll be having a mighty wave of babies from the lockdown. Look what it says to the younger women, and then I'll close. Younger women as sisters, watch this now, with absolute purity. Look at this. Older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute. Why would the apostle Paul put that in the first century? Because there was preverts back in the first century too. And there are, there are men that would sneak in to try to get, get a girl. And that's the case here also. Really? Yeah, sure. And I think finding a wife in church is a good place to find them, but you make sure you do it right. And if you fornicate, you take advantage of somebody here, you can talk to me, I'm gonna help you out. Yeah, I have a rod and a staff, and I'm happy to use either of them. You come in here and try to run roughshod over somebody. All you men, all you mothers in Israel, you watch out for the ladies and you watch out for the men of this church. There are people that'll come in. Are they here now? I don't know. Are you here? Is there any wolves here?
You know what they used to do back in the day? They would walk up and down the aisles and just be like, mm-hmm. hey, sinner. Hey, sinner, where are you at? Hey, sinner. With such anointing and conviction that people would just want to crawl and run. Now, we're a loving church. We're family here. We also protect people. Are you going to find a wife here? I hope so. He who finds a wife finds a good thing, receives favor, but you treat her with absolute purity. You find a husband here? I need a husband. I need myself a husband. Yeah, you do. Church is the best place to find it. Just do it the right way with love. Let's grow in our love, and I think I'm done. Oh, see, we can control ourselves. Everybody say we can control ourselves. I've gone long, but I hopefully it was strong and helped you. Stay the course. Right doctrine, right attitude, right actions. That's what real Christianity is. And that is spiritual warfare. Loving God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Did you get something from the Lord? All right. Wonderful. I'm so glad. Every head bowed, every eye closed in the closing moment now of this service. You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time and make a recommitment to him all across this place. That's you. You say, that's me, Pastor. Then pray this prayer right where you are, right out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Thank you that you rose again from the grave. Raise my life up now. Make me new. Cleanse me. Heal me. Set me free. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you come right now and touch, heal, set the captives free, baptize afresh these. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.